Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health medical technology company. I am your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Floor Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight by Pelvidol. We have a unique approach at Pelvidol. We believe our product, Flight, can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic floor care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative, always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Hello to all my pelvic floor buds out there. I am pretty excited about today's guest, Marissa Roy. She is really cool, partly because she grew up in the same area as me in the DMV, but also because she started her business literally before she went to college, and she is thriving. Marissa is an online fitness coach and owner of Permanent Change Coaching, who has worked with both lifestyle and contest prep clients, helping men, women, and all people of all ages, sizes, and experience levels reach their goals. She is super passionate about gaining confidence, loving your body, and achieving sustainable change. She is certified in coaching pre- and postnatal clients, and so we get into all of that during our chat today. We talk about tips on what to do immediately postpartum, we talk about what small changes can lead to big results, and we talk about how it's okay for things to be different after childbirth. Marissa is a badass, not even sure if I'm allowed to say that, but here I am. So buckle up and let's dive right in. Well, you have a coaching business, your own coaching business, and you have taken additional certifications in peri and postnatal coaching. Yes. So what drew you to that? Well, I guess first I want to know like just what motivated you to build your own coaching business in the first place. And then what drew you specifically to taking those additional certifications? Sure, sure. So I'll give you the shortest version of the story possible. So basically, <laughs> so I mean, I, it's a good story. So yeah, I like it. There's definitely more details. But so I basically was a volleyball athlete all growing up and, you know, had some good success with it. But I decided I didn't want to do that in college. I was originally going to go to University of Texas at Austin for college, didn't know what it was going to be for ended up staying back uh, in my hometown for a boy. And (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. a cliche, but like it happened and it happened for a reason. And so basically, I didn't have anywhere to go the fall of that first semester. So I basically was like, hey, like, asked my gym, like, if you if I studied for my certified personal trainer, like, would you guys let me train here? Like, and they were just like, okay, sure. So that started the personal training side of things for me. And basically, I did about six months of that. I was already kind of just burning out from being on my feet all the time. And like just the the physical demand of in person coaching. And I'm very much an introvert. So I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but I love helping people in this space. I'm so passionate about exercise and fitness. And it was really just like my whole life at that point. So I saw people on social media who were doing online coaching. It was this new thing. It was about 2016. And it was it was this brand new thing that 
everyone was doing. And I was like, what is this? And so I basically just immersed myself in that world and was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to I'm going to do this thing because it sounds great and I'm going to be a college student soon. So I might as well like be able to do something for my laptop or work for my pajamas. And I had this whole fantasy in my head of what online coaching was. And so that's when it started was the spring of 2016. I decided to start it. And I started to like wean away from in-person training at the same time. I was able to build it up pretty well through social media um, with with kind of just documenting my journey and talking about how I was helping clients. So that's how it how it started. Good and for I guess, you. Yeah. Great. I was just kind of like, you know what? What do I have to lose? I'm 18, 19 years old. Like I have nothing, like I have no money. I have no, like nothing really to lose at all. So but a like, lot of drive. So I was like, let's just see what happens. And it's crazy that like, you know, six or five or six years later, this is what it's come to. But the pre and post needle coaching, basically uh, what drove me to that was when I was about to finish my undergrad, I was having this crisis of like, what am I going to do once I get this degree? It was a degree in neuroscience has nothing to do with fitness. Like there's a little bit of overlap, but I was basically just like, this sounds interesting. Let's try this. Um, (laughs) And so I knew my business was in a place where I could do it full time at that point. It was about 2019 or so. Um, And I got really interested in the research of exercise science. And I started listening to other podcasts and, and really great names in the evidence-based fitness space. And one of the podcasts that I was an avid fan of, they're called Stronger by Science. If you're a super nerd about fitness, go listen to it. But they interviewed the founders of the certification that I took about uh, pregnancy and lifting. And that was Girls Gone Strong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Girls Gone Strong, Molly Garbroth. I think I'm butchering her last name, but she's awesome. And so they have that certification and it's basically like the only pre and postnatal certification that I've ever heard of. It's pretty comprehensive. It's very well backed in the research, at least for like, you know, what, what you can research on pregnant women, which is not a lot. (laughs) True. But basically like listening to that podcast, I was like, these ladies know what they're talking about. I've never heard of half the stuff that they're talking about, like the pelvic floor. So I was like, I'm going to buy this thing. So I bought it. And I ended up going through it and learning so much. And it's just mainly the reason that drew me to the certification was the fact that pregnant women, it's not a niche. Like it's something like upwards of 80% of women will have a child at some point in their life. And women are 50% of the population or whatever, you know, 49, 51, whatever. But like, it's not a niche. Like it's, it's very much most women (laughs) that this happens to. So if you don't understand how to coach someone through that with their health and fitness, it's like you are missing out on a huge population. I love that you said it's not a niche because that's something that I've heard in like the women in tech industry as well, where, you know, we're talking about women's health tech and it's just kind of thrown into this niche. Like you said, it's like, oh, that's so specialized, but (laughs) you're so right. Like women are 50% of the population and it's just such an unmet need. It's not even a niche. It's just a need at this point. Yeah. Since you are kind of in my head, like you're the coaching guru, so (laughs) I want to know what kind of top three, it can be more, it can be less, tips you would give to women in general who are not familiar with lifting to help them start. But also, I know you've seen clients who've come to you who are pregnant or newly postpartum. How might those tips change for that population? Absolutely. So I'm going to go through 
top three tips first for just like women in general starting strength training because I know it could be a really intimidating thing. And then I'll try to like see where those things tweak and change for pre and postnatal. So Perfect. basically, I guess the first tip, and this is going to go for really anyone who's trying to start strength training, not just women, go gradual with it. I mean, the biggest mistake that I see a lot of people make nowadays is they're like, I'm going to start lifting weights. So they like set a goal to go like five days per week for like an hour and a half at a time. And they absolutely destroy themselves on day one. And then they're so sore that they can't even do anything for the rest of the week. So what happens? They feel like a failure because then they've missed the next, you know, three or four days that they were supposed to go. And now they're just basically putting themselves through a cycle of feeding into feeling like a failure. And so the biggest thing that I encourage is taking baby steps. And this is what our company is all about is really gradual and sustainable change. It's about literally putting one foot in front of the other and saying like, okay, I feel like I can commit 30 minutes once or twice this week at the gym. Let me see what I can do in that and kind of just like take it easy, feel it out at first and see where I can go from there. That's honestly like the best thing you can do for yourself, for your body, for your injury prevention, like all the things. So that would be number one. This is a hard question. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I asked it then. Top two would probably be definitely just do your research, especially with like proper form and making sure that you kind of go in with a plan. That's number two and number three. So doing your research of like actually watching form videos online, making sure that you're like looking at these things and understanding like what should this actually look like because proper form is so critical not only for injury prevention but just for actually making sure that you're seeing the right result with these movements and then going in with a plan because I think especially with women because gyms are typically pretty male dominated it's really hard for a woman to go into the gym for the first time and feel confident I think there's certain populations where it's easier like maybe you've been an athlete your whole life you've been in the weight room before like that's how I kind of came into it but my clients are not that way a lot Mm -hmm. of my clients are 40 50 years old and they've never set foot in a gym in their life and so how would we expect these people to react or feel when they walk in, it's just a bunch of dudes like sweating and grunting, right? So basically, really go in with a plan and have the intention of really just focusing on yourself. You're going to be so much better off with getting started. Watching form videos online, for example, do you have a recommendation of where someone could do that? Uh, honestly, like YouTube, like most uh, coaches in this industry will use like fitness apps or like things that will have kind of form videos built in like our team, for example, our clients get an app where basically they have video exercise tutorials on demand that like walks them through proper form. But you can find those same types of videos on YouTube, you just have to search the exercise name and typically the first like 10 results that pop up are pretty decent form tutorials. That's a great point. I think you make a great point in that just taking the time to do research and writing specific search terms in there, you can get such a wealth of information. Yeah, absolutely. So I like your first tip a lot, going gradual with it, because I think something that we do that's in common is really figuring out sustainable changes so our clients or patients can really see long-term improvements. That can be really, really tough for a new mom especially Mm -hmm. with the newborn, if she's running around, just trying to figure everything out, paying attention or getting used to just how different her body might feel. So I'm curious to hear your input on just what you would recommend to someone who is in their early stages of motherhood, how to either start or return to a fitness routine. Like what are some things that they could start to do so that they 
feel comfortable in getting back into fitness, but also are sure that they're doing it safely. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to kind of even start this for just like pregnant women as well, because one of the biggest myths is that like when you are pregnant, you shouldn't start anything new. And that's actually not true, but it's a good kind of general rule of thumb for most people, because when people start something new, they typically, again, don't go gradual with it. So that that can create problems. So it's very nuanced. It's like, yes, you can start something new, but Mm -hmm. to take it very, very slow, have the appropriate guidance, make sure you're doing things right and taking it very easy from the start. So that would be my tip. You can start an exercise routine, but it is really about like meeting you where you're at rather than like just jumping in and being like, oh, I can do this like exercise class or whatever. Cause obviously you don't want to introduce risk. This might not be the answer you expected, but I think it really comes down to recognizing that as a new mother, you are still worthy of having time for yourself because it's like the number one thing that just slips and goes and completely like just gets thrown out the window or swept under the rug is like your whole life has now been flipped around where you are caring for another individual. They are dependent on you at that time. And it's so hard to like give yourself like even 30 minutes, but those 30 minutes can be the difference between you having a mental breakdown at the end of the week versus feeling decently okay because there's like definitely like just a lot of like sleep deprivation that goes on and stress and hormones that are still getting back to normal and and I kind of want to like put two of the things that you said together which is one just taking time for yourself but two also meeting you where you are and starting Mm -hmm. slow and going gradually and moms but also this just applies to anyone so many people are great at multitasking you know like you're holding your baby do a couple squats you know like throw it into your lifestyle to make you really feel like you're getting that activity that you'd like to either get back into fitness start feeling maybe more like yourself, get your muscles moving, whatever it is. But I, I really liked those two things that you said. So I was like, oh, those those could go really well together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like one of the biggest problems in the fitness industry, and you know, if you're listening to this and you don't really know about the fitness industry, it's that most coaches and fitness plans out there, they give you a plan and they say, here's like the best thing that you could do for these results. Have at it, you know, here you go, good luck but that's not meeting anyone where they're at. It's saying, this is what the best program is. So you should follow it. But it's like, what if this person is literally starting from like ground zero and this program is at like level 20. (laughs) Right. So it's really important that, especially when you're kind of in this phase where your body has changed so much, like whether you're pregnant, postpartum, and you, you know, your anatomy is just going through so many changes. You're meeting you where you're at with a fitness program is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. I want to change the topic a little bit. I saw something that you had put out there. It was either in your blog or your social media where you really broke down just so well how to maximize your nutrition and training during your menstrual cycle, which I think is such a great topic to touch on because a lot of people don't know how their menstrual cycle, where they are in their cycle might impact how they're feeling. So I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
the the number one thing with this topic in particular is like there's going to be a lot of gurus that pop up as this information becomes more widespread that say like hey like you should do this exact program on these types of days on your cycle and these exact programs for nutrition on these types of days on your cycle and like a lot of that stuff is going to be pretty gimmicky and consistency will trump all so like if you are consistent across every single day of the week every single day of the month you are still probably most likely going to see the most progress overall. But I think awareness is really where this comes in because most women, at least that I've run into and, and spoken with, are not aware of like how much their cycle really does affect them. And it's kind of something they just like ride the waves with almost throughout the month instead of actually anticipating and understanding what's going on. And so I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, but <laughs> we have the follicular phase, which is the first two weeks of the cycle, which starts with menses. So when you start bleeding, that starts the follicular phase and then in the middle of that is ovulation so right on day 14 or like approximately day 14 and then you have the luteal phase which is the final two weeks of the cycle uh, which finishes off that final half of the luteal phase is your pms week where your hormones are crashing and going crazy and you know you feel the way you feel when you pms right so that's the cycle and essentially uh long story short your body is going to have higher demands for energy during the luteal phase because it's preparing to shed the uterine lining. So you're going to be burning a couple more calories, but of course that's going to be coupled with you have your hormones going crazy. You're going to have cravings. You're going to feel bloated. And so like, you're not necessarily going to feel like, oh yeah, I'm burning more calories. I feel great. Typically this is where fatigue is higher. There is like a slight very slight. I don't want anyone to feel worried about this, but like more propensity for injury during this phase as well. So mm. this is typically like if you were going to take a deload, for example, like a light week at the gym, that would be a great time to do it is like in your PMS week. If you are, you know, subject to having some more cravings and you are kind of like tracking your diet and you're struggling during your PMS week and your luteal phase, it is warranted to increase your calorie intake by one to 300 per day. Uh, so that's something cool that you can kind of take advantage of. And then the follicular phase is kind of like our power phase. So our hormones are a little bit more stable. And so basically when we start menses, we are a little bit more insulin sensitive. So we handle carbs a little bit better. Our training is going to be a little bit better. We're going to be able to push a little bit harder. And just overall, we're going to be a little bit more even keel. And I'm sure women just kind of know that from yeah. their experience. Personal experience. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like the long and short of it is like, the follicular phase, uh, as we have a rise in estrogen too, we kind of have more anabolism, which is like muscle building, basically potential and the potential to like hit PRs and get stronger and really push it in the gym. And the luteal phase is like, if there's any time to take that extra rest day or any time to like take it easy in the gym, that's going to be the time to do it. Listen to your body. Yeah. You know? And, and kind of know what's going on with it. Absolutely. Like knowledge is power. So understanding everything that you said and how our bodies are changing just on this day to day can be so empowering. And our menses, as you said, is, is such a great example of our bodies are changing without us even really thinking about it or knowing just on a day-to-day -day basis. So our weight might fluctuate oh, yeah. um, if we're bloating, <laughs> you know, our cravings, what our body needs, that additional nutrition during that luteal phase versus follicular. And everyone is different, of course, but 
I think that's a really great example of that, especially for, I see it a lot with postpartum patients and postpartum moms, just navigating having this new body and it's all beautiful and it's all wonderful. And, but I'm really curious to hear about your take on when you get those clients who are, let's say in their postpartum phase, how you can help them get back into their goals on the fitness side, but also just appreciate their own bodies? Or what advice would you give someone, especially as they get back into their routine and noticing changes and maybe what they could do before and what they need to build themselves up to? Popping in here to say that flight is available at $395 or with a discount through certain PT and doctors with a performance back guarantee and payment plans available. We are also a partner with Agile Virtual PT and can hook you up to one-on-one individualized care that fits into your busy lifestyle. Just schedule a call with us or email us via www.flighttherapy.com. All right, back to the show. Oof. Yeah. This is a... A dizzy. <laughs> I also want to just plug in there too. I do have a podcast on, on our podcast specifically on the whole menstrual cycle stuff and like all of that in like t- way too much detail. So if anyone wants to listen to that, Ooh, I love that. it's a, uh, it's going to be a longer version, but yeah. So I love this question because this is probably like the number one thing that scares me the most about motherhood. You know, I, I've, I've coached clients through it and it's like, I can't have that empathy, but I can kind of see where they're at. And one of the favorite things that the certification that I took really emphasizes is the phrase once postpartum, always postpartum. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That, you know, you, you're always going to have these now physical changes that your body has gone through. And the, the number one thing to emphasize with that phrase is like, oof, that's kind of a dark phrase, but you, you can't really look at it that way because two things that are really important to emphasize about postpartum women that can help you kind of like overcome those limiting beliefs is number one, postpartum women, it doesn't mean that you're delicate. It doesn't mean that you can break now because you have a different anatomy. It just means it's different and different doesn't need to be good nor bad. And it doesn't put limits on you to be postpartum. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, go, I, I, you know, I don't really love the phrase like get back to my pre-baby body. I don't Mm -hmm, love that phase because it's like you can get in shape and you can get a body that you're super, super happy with and proud of and love, but it's still going to be different. It's never going to be the pre-baby body. And here's the thing. You could even exceed your previous fitness level. Like that is not a limit that you have to put on yourself or a ceiling or a cap. I think it's important to kind of reframe at that point in your life that like, things are going to be different from this point on with your body, your capabilities, and just kind of where you're at, depending on how the pregnancy went, like any complications, that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that you are now limited or are less. It really means that it's just different. And you can still excel beyond what you thought your top maximum potential was. You you have to start with that belief, I think. Favorite thing that you've said so far on this podcast that you said you are not delicate. There's so many resources. There's so many providers out there who can help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times there's just so much stuff that gets like 
spat at us when we are pregnant or postpartum and you know it's all the stuff about your body and unwarranted comments and unwarranted advice and it's like you hear all this stuff on social media too so there's all these expectations and I guess just like beliefs of what postpartum should look like or might look like for you um, but just really understanding that like you can define it the way that you want and you don't have to set those limitations on yourself with with physical exercise the way you want to look or anything like that i know you have a great case study for us yeah so if you could tell us just some of the key things that we should know about this woman what would they be yeah yeah so this client i've actually worked with her a couple times on and off and we got on a call probably about a couple months ago at this point i i told her listen I've been with you through a lot and I think this time has to be the last time that we work together. This time's going to be different. She had tracked macros before really neurotically to the point where it just gave her anxiety. She didn't want to do that again. She had some traumatic pregnancy and, and deliveries. So like her body was, was not in great shape. She has a uh, umbilical hernia. She has very, very, very severe diastasis recti. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, so the separation in the abdominal wall and basically like didn't feel like herself anymore. She looked in the mirror and she hated what she saw. She had gained a lot of weight and she hasn't been able to lose it. And uh, she has two kids and her youngest is, I believe, like a year or so. And so... It's been a little bit. There was just a lot of limiting beliefs and she didn't think that she could do a fitness program and actually see results and actually improve and change. And so this is, I think, really where the whole meeting her where she was at came in because she used to deadlift over 200 pounds. She used to do oh, pull -ups. Wow. She used to, she was crazy strong before any of her babies and like super, super fit and like basically made fitness her life at one point. And she knew that that wasn't really what she wanted anymore, but she just wanted to feel good in her skin again. Right. So, Based on your initial consult, what were the things that stood out to you where you were like, all right, this is, you know, the first piece of advice I'm going to give or the first few things that we're going to get started with? So we really just needed to get her started with something that wasn't going to be overwhelming. So with diet, like I said, she's tracked macros before, which is like, you know, counting everything that you eat, weighing it on a food scale, if you're not familiar, and it can be tedious and it, it can be a great learning experience for some, but for some it can be triggering and anxiety causing. So we went with a food diary method instead and started monitoring how hungry and full she felt throughout the day and just listening to that, listening to her own signals because she's never done that before. She's only followed meal plans and, and numbers and structure that basically made her kind of override her own hunger signals. So with nutrition, we went that route with her workouts. She was like, I would love to go to the gym, but like I'm going to her daughter's special needs. So she's going to like four or five appointments a day for her daughter oh, wow. and, and, and trying to work in between that. So I was like, so let's do some home workouts. And we started super low level with like some basic connection breaths, some Kegels, some just like body weight stretches and light exercises, like very, very light body weight squats, dead bugs, bird dogs, super simple stuff that mm -hmm. was honestly like pretty challenging for her at the beginning. And her workouts took her anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes and she did two to three per week. And she was just using the food diary method and listening to her hunger signals. 
We are now about seven or eight weeks into the process. So she's still working with me right now, but we just did a second diastasis recti assessment and the gap has actually reduced by a whole finger width. The firmness has gone up two points in rating above or below the umbilical hernia. Of course, the hernia is going to stay kind of Mm-hmm. but um, everywhere else around that is improving drastically. And we've progressed her exercise a little bit still at home, but just doing a little bit more challenging stuff. And she's like, we put pictures side by side the other day and she has visibly lost at least five or six pounds, no tracking, nothing crazy. Yeah, it, It's insane how much small changes can really add up. And so she was blown away by those side-by-side photos. And she told me, and because she's not named, I'll say this, she said she was able to be in front of her husband naked and actually feel comfortable for the first time. One thing that's easy to forget is we have all these recommendations, right? We're like, okay, with the diastasis, for example, we know from an evidence-based perspective that the width of the gap actually isn't as important as the depth of it. So we really want to see exactly what you said. We really want to see that tension generation that she can generate good abdominal activation during her exercises or just daily movements. But the emotional toll it can take on someone, especially it sounds like for this client who really was all in on the fitness world, you know, beforehand, and then just having to really navigate like, wow, I feel so different. And I I don't feel connected to my body or comfortable with that. I think what's very cool about what you portrayed today with your case study is that by just paying attention to your own body, by piecing in small amounts of activity throughout your week, those can be really big changes. And it sounds like really your focus was on, I want you to feel good in your body. And it sounds like she is, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And she was someone who really like as well, just really struggled with the all or nothing mentality where she was either all in or not doing anything and completely screwing it, especially with her diet. And she is now like she told me she was able to like, just have a box of Halloween candy, just like sit on her counter from her kids. And like, she'll have like one piece of chocolate at night and like, just be okay with it. And like, she never used to be able to do that. So yeah, I think it's, it's really important again, just like meeting people where they're at and understanding the psychological toll of how much change your body can go through and like how much of an identity crisis that can be for a lot of people. Like for her, it was like, she identified as a super fit, super capable woman. And then in the mirror and in the things she does day to day, she just wasn't able to actually feel that way. It was, she really didn't recognize herself anymore. She didn't feel like herself at all. And now she's finally starting to get to a place where she, she's recognizing herself again and proving to herself that she can follow through on her own commitments. I think that's super powerful. Very powerful. And like you said, I mean, that can be so jarring, that identity crisis that can be so unexpected. Oh my gosh, you've had a baby. That's so great. Your baby's wonderful. But all of these other feelings behind how your body has changed and trying to navigate new motherhood and all of that can be a big challenge. And I think that it's okay for it to be a challenge, that there are little things to do whenever you can do them. Those make a big difference. And I feel like that's the biggest thing that you've highlighted for us. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, postpartum is for life, which, you know, it's never too late to start either. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Marissa, it has been 
wonderful talking to you about all of this. I think you have such great perspective on not only how you coach, I really appreciate your style of coaching and just really looking at the individual as an individual, which I think will make you a really great coach for this population in the pregnancy and postpartum world. So thank you so much for joining me today. So go ahead and just tell us if you don't mind where people can find you if they want to learn more about your business or get more information from you. I know you have a great Instagram channel as well. Yeah. And also thank you so much for having me. I think these messages need to be more widespread. So thanks for everyone to listening to this as well. You can find me at Marissa Roy Fitness on Instagram. Our company uh, is called Permanent Change Coaching. So we strive to create permanent habit change and lifestyle change rather than just a quick fix or, you know, fad diet or anything like that. Uh, so they're on Instagram or we're on Instagram. It's my company. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You it's own that. <laughs> at permanent.change.coaching and our website is permanentchangecoaching.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything, everything to plug. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in to pelvic floor at its core. Quick disclaimer for you, Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.